welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Jeff Gaudet. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. First, I have to apologize for not publishing a podcast the last two weeks. Uh, I have to admit, I was on vacation. Uh, me and my fiance went to Puerto Rico. Fantastic running, uh, albeit a bit hilly, but uh, really, really gorgeous views of the rainforest and the ocean. So sorry to make you guys all jealous for listening to this, but that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. But luckily, uh, we're back today and we have with us Mario Frioli, who is an Olympic level coach. He's also the senior editor at Competitor Magazine, and I think he's one of the brightest young minds in the coaching industry. Mario just released his first book, The Official Rock and Roll Guide to Marathon and Half Marathon Training. So in this interview, we're going to discuss some of the concepts and training plans outlined in the book, as well as some lessons learned from his years coaching and his training experience. In this interview, we're going to specifically cover how and why a lack of patience in trying to take too big of a leap in fitness and results was one of the biggest mistakes Mario made in his own training, and how he seems that he sees that exact same tendency in some of the runners he coaches. We're also going to talk about Mario's approach to individualistic training and how understanding the framework of a training plan is more important than blindly following a generic plan. Finally, we're just going to discuss Mario's approach to race-specific work and get in-depth about his favorite marathon workout, the Squires Long Run. This is a very insightful interview packed with lots of actionable lessons. I'll admit I hadn't read the book uh, when we did the interview, but Mario sent me a copy and I did have a chance to read through it, and it's fantastic. It's basic enough to be valuable for beginners, yet doesn't gloss over the training theory, so even experienced runners will learn a lot from it. I know I picked up a, a couple valuable lessons. So not only does it have some great results, but I think it's also going to help you understand a framework, the framework of how our training plan is structured. So without further ado, if you want to visit more of the resources on this podcast, you can visit runnersconnect.net slash rc24, and that'll give you all the resources, the link to the book, um, and any of the links that we talk about. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Mario. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be with us. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's great to be here. Awesome. So on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about your book and, and also about your training philosophy in general. Um, but okay. we've, before we do that, I did introduce you a little bit, but let's give uh, our audience in your own words kind of your brief running background, how you got into uh, running and kind of how you've progressed throughout the years. All right. Uh, my name is Mario Fraley. I live in San Diego, California now. I grew up on the East Coast in Auburn, Massachusetts. And my running career unofficially got started uh, as an eighth grader. I went to St. Stephen's School in Worcester, Mass, and we had a walk for technology. And part of the walk for technology was uh, trying to raise money for the computer lab at the school. So how it worked was you, you know, you got pledged for, say, five cents a lap or whatever it happened to be, and you walked laps around the schoolyard for an hour. And they had awards for the people who raised the most money and also those who walked the most laps. And, you know, in all my, uh, in all my wise, you know, thinkings, I thought, okay, well, if I, if I run for an hour instead of walk, <laughs> I'll definitely cover more laps than everyone else. So I, I ran for the hour having no previous um, formal running experience before that other than playing basketball and soccer and whatever other sports I was involved in. Uh, but I ran for the hour, uh, covered the most laps. I still have that trophy somewhere at my dad's house. <laughs> uh, so that's how I got started. Um, and then I, I really didn't start running for real until 
my sophomore year of high school, I was at uh, St. John Shrewsbury in uh, Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, which is an all-boys school, and I ran like one season of, of track and then just you know, called it good after that. I wasn't really into it. I was a basketball player at the time. Uh, ultimately, I left uh, St. John's and I went to Auburn High School, uh, which is my hometown, mm -hmm. and joined the basketball team, uh, played basketball there. So track and cross country and running was, you know, the last thing on my mind. But going into junior year of high school, uh, I had my set, my eyes set on playing basketball, and a coach I was working with at the time told me to run cross country. Uh, it would help my endurance, and, you know, I'd I would be better later in the basketball season when everyone else was starting to wear down and get tired. So that's what I did. I ran cross country. Uh, definitely didn't train the summer going into it. Um, looking back now, I, training was kind of a, a bit of a joke. We didn't have a big team. It wasn't a super serious sport at the school. So, you know, we would race like Tuesdays and Thursdays. We didn't do any big invitationals, but, you know, I, I wouldn't run on the days in between my meets because I didn't want to get tired. And, you know, our typical runs were two to three and a half miles. Uh, the longest run I ever did in high school um, as a senior was eight miles. Um, so I had a, you know, very, you know, limited running background. But ultimately what happened was uh, I got pretty good at it. And I just missed qualifying for the state cross-country meet as a junior. Uh, and that sort of lit a fire under my butt. I was like, well, if I trained, I, I know I could make it there next year, and it'd be cool to be one of the best runners in the state because I definitely wasn't one of the best basketball players in the state. Mm -hmm. uh, so I ran, I ended up running spring track that year as a junior. I uh, had some success, broke five in the mile, ran like 10.20 for two miles, um, and decided I was going to run my entire senior year and try to see if I could get a scholarship to run in college. Um, so I started training uh, in the summertime. Uh, with a guy named Sean McEwen who ran for our rival high school, Milbury High School, which was the next town over. And uh, it's funny how things work out. That friendship ended up blossoming into, you know, he's my, he's my best friend. He's going to be uh, my best man at my wedding. We went to college together. We live wow. in California, you know, same city in California now. Um, you know, so that started way back. Uh, my senior year of high school, you know, running cross country. He was, he was one of the best in the area. So I was like, I'm going to run with him as much as I can in the summertime. And I, you know, I probably ran about 35 to 40 miles a week uh, heading into my senior year of high school and made the state cross-country meet, finished seventh, um, had two great track seasons, indoor and outdoor. Never got that scholarship I was hoping for, but I knew <laughs> I wanted to run in college. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, was, that was my focus. And I looked at a couple different schools, none of them really powerhouses, but, you know, smaller schools where I knew I could run. And ultimately, I ended up at Stonehill College in Massachusetts, um, which is a really small uh, Catholic school, essentially. Um, didn't have a very rich running program, uh, but I was able to, you know, I was able to be on the team, and uh, everything just sort of grew from there. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, I ended up having a fairly successful college career, fell in love with running even more, and, you know, I really didn't know in college what I wanted to do with my life specifically, but I knew that I wanted it to be related to running somehow. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of the brief background on how I, you know, how I got into the sport and how I developed a love for it. Yeah. So as you kind of went through college, obviously you got a lot better, um, yep. improved significantly, and then even after college, you continued to train at a pretty high level and, and yep. really tried to take your running to the next level. Uh, throughout those years, what were some of the kind of the, I guess, struggles or uh, struggles that you had in terms of progressing and, and making those jumps? 
the biggest thing I've, I've always struggled with, even from when I first started, was patience. And, and I think a lot of other runners uh, struggle with that same problem. I wanted to be good right away. I wanted to be good yesterday. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you need to realize that development and risk in distance running takes time. And sometimes it takes a lot of time. And especially if you've dealt with setbacks such as injury or illness, uh, that can prolong things. So it's really uh, patience has been the biggest struggle that I've dealt with as a runner. And now as a coach, it's the biggest thing that I see a lot of my athletes struggling with as well. And just constantly re was reminding myself throughout my career, you know, patient, you know, I need to be patient, you know, success takes time, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to take time to develop that aerobic base, and it's going to take time to develop the skills that I need to hit the goals that I've, that I've set for myself. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, you know, that was the biggest thing that I really struggled with, or, or I've struggled with throughout my career from the time that I started, even through, you know, some of my most successful years, because as you start getting better, um, I think a lot of runners tend to get greedy and you know, I certainly put myself in that category. Uh -huh. You know, I'd run a 228 marathon, and I wanted to go right to 220. And you got to realize that eight minutes at that level is is a lot of time, and it's probably not going to happen in a year. Uh -huh. uh, and I struggled with that, and I tried to force it and rush it, and I got injured. And uh, you know, I learned that you just need to be patient if you want to be successful in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we'll, we're definitely going to go back to that question about you know some of the athletes that you coach and what they struggle with. Um, but I want to dig deep a little bit into uh, that response just a little bit um, because, and I think specifically you mentioned, you know, trying to, once you ran that 228, obviously yeah. that was great. And, and, and I think for you, I can imagine it was like, wow, you know, imagine what I can do. And, um, and I, and I asked this question to dig in because I, I see a lot of the runners that I coach that happens to them, whether it be 330 or two hours in the half marathon, right. you know, they hit that number and say, wow, when can I run 145? Um, right. So Talk about the, you know, can we get into the, some of the specific mistakes that you made when you when you hit that 228 and then said, okay, I want to jump all the way to 220. Um, right. Talk about some of the mistakes that you made there and, and how you would have done things differently. Yeah, I mean, specific to, to the marathon and my 228, I ran that in my first marathon. And mm -hmm. I did that off of a what I would have considered at the time to be a relatively low base of mileage. Mm -hmm. um, because I had built up to that from an injury. So, you know, my peak weeks during that buildup, you know, barely scratched 80 miles a week. And, you know, this is after college. This is three years after I graduated. In college, I was a pretty resilient runner, uh -huh. and I could run 90 to 100 miles a week. So the fact that I, you know, ran that marathon time in my first marathon off, you know, 70 or so miles a week uh -huh. uh, had me thinking, well, if I can run 90 or 100 again and uh, do that, then you know, I'm definitely going to run 220. I'll be that much stronger, you know, that much more, that many more miles under my belt. And, uh -huh. you know, I made the mistake that after, you know, after Vermont, I just ramped things up way too quickly. Uh -huh. And I, and I just had this number in my head that I need to be running super high mileage in order to run a super fast marathon time. And yeah, that may or may not be true, but it didn't work for me because I didn't go about it, you know, in a smart way. All of a sudden I, you know, I recovered from the marathon, and I jumped right back into 60, 70 mile weeks right away and got to 90 very quickly and then ultimately got hurt. And, you know, I learned that uh, I need to be patient when I'm progressing my mileage, especially if I've had a history of injuries, um, which I have uh, in my post-collegiate career, and just learning it takes time to come back from those things. Uh, so that was the biggest thing I learned from that was, was that I didn't need to... Uh, jump so quickly uh, and I should have been a little bit more gradual in my approach. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's just a great example. And, and I think anybody listening to this podcast, I mean, if they, if they, even if they stop now, I mean, that's just a fantastic lesson to learn. So 
Um, I definitely appreciate that and, and you sharing that because it's, it's so true. Um, so let's talk a little bit more now about kind of your, your foray into coaching and um, how did you get started coaching? And, and let's also talk about at the end of that how, you know, some of the people that you're coaching now. Okay. Uh, well, 2004 is when I graduated from Stonehill College. And, you know, when I graduated, I knew that I wanted to continue my competitive career. And, you know, I thought ultimately that marathon, half marathon distance was going to be my sweet spot. So I started training for those things. And a lot of my former teammates, while maybe not as competitive and they didn't have the same goals, they wanted to continue running competitively for a few years while, you know, they were still fit and they didn't have obligations of a family or a real demanding job yet. So, you know, I've always been uh, kind of a training nerd. And even in college, uh, you know, I had a great coach in Karen Bowen at Stonehill College, but I was always reading uh, whatever I could get my hands on, whether it was Arthur Lydiard or Jack Daniels or Brad Hudson or Renato Canova, you know, it didn't matter. I was just fascinated by uh, training theory and philosophy, and, and my teammates knew that. So when we graduated, um, about three of them asked me if I would train them for upcoming half marathons and marathons, and I was like, well, sure. Uh, and I had never, never coached anyone to that point, hadn't even coached myself to that point. Um, but I started writing training plans based on what I knew we had done in college and what I had read and uh, things that I had wanted to try out that maybe we didn't necessarily do in college. So it was a lot of just uh, experimenting with my friends who were gracious enough to give me that opportunity uh, as a 22-year-old kid um, who had never coached anyone before. Uh -huh. And, you know, I learned a lot. Uh, I mean, I learned a lot in college, um, training for cross-country and training for track. And uh, I'd never run myself a longer distance race to that point. So I didn't have my own experience to go off of. Uh -huh. um, so it was a lot of, you know, trial and error and uh, trying different things in training, you know, with myself and then also with uh, some of my former teammates that I was coaching for half marathons and marathons at the time and, and seeing how those things panned out. And if they were successful, I was like, okay, maybe I'm onto something here. And, you know, if they weren't, uh, you know, going back to the drawing board and reevaluating. Cool. So, so um, as you, you know, obviously as you progress, you continue to to learn more. And, and I actually I relate very well to your situation because that's pretty much how I started as well. Like yeah. friends were just, just I, they knew I liked training, so they were just like, "Hey, write me a schedule." I was like, "Why not?" Right. <laughs> um, but so as you progressed, um, you know, who are some of the people that you're you're training now, and you know, some of the groups that you work with. Okay, uh, so I started coaching back in 2004, and that was when I was still living in Massachusetts and still uh, training pretty seriously myself and. Uh, I moved out here to San Diego in 2010, uh, May 2010, and shortly after, well, I should rewind, before I came out here, I was coaching a few athletes online, uh, mostly age groupers trying to qualify for Boston, uh -huh. um, you know, a woman who's a sub-130 half marathoner who lives in Chicago who I'm still, you know, still working with today. Uh -huh. but I came out here with like a small stable of online athletes and a few of my college teammates who I'd been coaching since you know 2004 on and off as their you know as their goals sort of changed and evolved and and all that so I had a few athletes when I moved out here and once I sort of established myself here in the running community in San Diego I joined a team uh, which is now called Prado Racing which has a men's and a women's team and the men's group uh, which I was a part of was was very loose. Um, you know, we would meet for long runs or easy runs or occasional workouts, but everyone was sort of on their own program. Uh -huh. um, but the women's team uh, had a pretty uh, cohesive unit that had been together since before I had gotten out here. And they'd gone through, I think, two different coaches at the time. And uh, the captain of the team, Gina Merchant, she had gotten in contact with me and said, hey, you know, 
I know that you do some coaching and we're actually looking uh, for someone to coach our team heading into the cross-country season because there's a uh, nice cross-country series here in San Diego from August to November called the Dirt Dog Series. Uh-huh. And it's a big team, you know, team-focused uh, series. So there's, you know, there's standings and individual standings and individual and team prize money. So it's a, it's uh-huh. a pretty big deal out here. And they had finished, I think, third and second uh, the previous two years. And, you know, they really wanted to establish themselves as the best women's cross-country team in San Diego. So I met with Gina and just talked to her a little bit about my background and my philosophy and sort of what my thoughts were, uh, you know, on the team and some of the individuals that I knew of and, and where we might be able to go in the next couple of years and eventually met with uh, some more members of the team and they were pretty enthusiastic about bringing me on board. So I started coaching them and I've had the group now for uh, two years and it's a group, uh, Prado Racing is the name of the team and I have mm-hmm. about 10 women uh, who have had okay. for you know, the last two years. Some of them I've had the entire last two years. Some of them are newer to the team and I've had for, you know, six months or a year or whatever it may be. But we won the last two um, USATF San Diego Imperial Association cross-country championships here. Um, it's a pretty competitive group of women. I've had, uh, every. I think everyone short of one girl has PR'd wow. and everywhere from five uh, mile, I should say, for some who've run track. Uh, through the 5K and up to the marathon distance. So, you know, it's a pretty cohesive unit, but it's a very diverse group And then I've got four girls this spring who are going to run a full track season. I have two women who are going to run Boston, um, and I have others who are just building up for some summer races around July and August. And then, you know, come June, July, we'll start, you know, we'll start looking towards the fall and, and August through November in that cross-country season again. So that's my, you know, that's my main stable of athletes here in San Diego. I yep. uh, still have four online athletes that I work with um, or all around the world, really, because I have a gentleman in Costa Rica that I've been coaching for over a year now. Yep. Uh, but a few age groupers kind of uh, dotted throughout the country. And then I have uh, Cesar Lozano, who ran the marathon last summer. Uh, at the Olympics in London, uh, and he's a Costa Rican athlete. I've been coaching him since uh, January of last year, so you know we're approaching almost a year and a half of working together, and that's been uh, it's been a really interesting experience because he's based in San Jose, Costa Rica, and I'm obviously here in San Diego, and we've had multiple opportunities to get together and have short training camps. And I was in the I was in London with him last summer at the Olympics, um, but he and I are still working together and. Uh, he's looking toward the New York City Marathon this November, and he ran a couple track races this spring, and he's going to run you know, some road races here in the States this summer. So uh, it's been a really interesting experience working with him and an athlete of that caliber and, and seeing him improve. And mm-hmm. you know, knowing that you know, while since he's a professional athlete and he can, you know, that's what he does as, as a job, mm-hmm. uh, and he can devote his entire day to it, um, but a lot of the principles of, of the training are the same that I use with a lot of my other athletes and uh, it's just not that I'm looking for validation but it's sort of validation that you know these are solid fundamental principles that you know any runner can improve upon yeah absolutely well first of all congratulations on all the success you know especially with the, the women's team that you're coaching and, and obviously Cesar um, but let's talk a little bit about those those coaching principles um, you know what would you say uh, and, and actually probably relating to the book you know what would you say is your particular philosophy on, on training if you have one. I mean, I know if people ask me that question, it's kind of tough, but, you know, if you feel like there's a way to sum it up. Yeah, I find, for me as a coach, that's the most difficult question to give a straight answer to because I, I don't have one. And right. if I had to 
to sort of narrow it down to something it would be it's very individualized because that's one thing that I pride myself in as a coach and I think you know all good coaches do is that we're able to work with each athlete as individuals and even here you know with my team in San Diego even if we're training for the same race or series of races um, I like to look at each athlete as an individual and you know, look at their training background where they've come from what their strengths are what their weaknesses are and and really try to you know formulate a training plan that is going to help improve those weaknesses, take advantage of their strengths, and you know help them ultimately run faster. And sometimes those in a group setting that those overlap, and we can do a lot of um, workouts as a group. But you know sometimes I need to do you know totally different things for two athletes training for the same event. Um, so I would say you know my approach is very individualized. Um, you know, and then I the next word I would use is is progression, and is looking at each athlete and seeing uh, what their history is. How you know when did they start running? Did they run in college? Um, what have they done in the past? What types of training have they have they done that's worked well for them? That hasn't worked well for them? You know, what have they been doing in the last you know four to eight weeks? And and really trying to dial it in and you know see you know see what's going on, and then see where where we'd like to go, and then charting out like the individualized path that's going to get them there. Uh -huh. um, which is funny when when I relate that to my book because obviously you can't be very individualized right. uh, with a book. <laughs> you know, it's got to appeal to a wide mass of people. So, you know, it really forced me as a coach to kind of uh, look at my training philosophy and look at all these different individual athletes that I've worked with and sort of search for common themes that I could, you know, that I could share with a, a wide range of people from, you know, beginners to you know, experienced runners who are looking to either, you know, maybe maybe just complete a distance for the first time uh -huh. or, you know, run it faster than they ever have before. And when I looked at that, um, you know, I, I was like, you know, it's a really, I, I wouldn't say I'm a high volume coach or, you know, I do a lot of speed work. Like, it's a really holistic approach. It's really uh -huh. looking at everything from, you, you know, from, from the role of, you know, easy runs and key workouts and, um, you know, looking at someone's warm-up and being like, what are things that, you know, all runners can do as part of a warm-up? Like, I, in the book, I've included, like, a dynamic warm-up routine, which, you know, I share with all of my athletes. And, you know, I look at something like that, and I'm like, well, there are a lot of people who just go out and run. But spending, you know, five to ten minutes on a lot of these exercises and drills, you know, can, can help you be better prepared for your run. And, you know, I was looking at those, like, smaller you know, individual elements and being like, okay, like I would share these with everyone. And then, I'm, you know, in this book, it's specific to half marathon, marathon training. So that helped me dial things in a little bit more. And it's really looking at the specific demands of each event and then really branching out from there. So I'm looking at, you know, a lot of the, the key workouts that I see myself sharing with uh, the athletes that I coach as far as like, you know, you look at half marathon, marathon training, it's, you know, long runs are are you know an essential element overall training volume uh, frequency of training and you know really trying to to encourage those principles and, and push those things out to people like you know you look at a lot of beginner programs like oh well as a beginner you you know don't run too much you know only run like three times a week and I don't think that's necessarily true I think like you know if someone's going to be training for a goal like that frequency is key so just maybe not encouraging them to run every day, but it's like, you know, you should try to be running, increase the frequency with which you're running with. So, uh -huh. you know, just trying to look at this wide range of, of principles and trying to put it into, you know, one coherent volume. Uh, that, was a, that was a bit of a challenge for me because <laughs> to this point, you know, I'm, I've never been someone who likes to write stock training plans, and I sort of had to do that, uh -huh. you know, for this book. And I'm like, well, how can I, how can I do it that, 
you know, and, and do it in such a way that, um, you know, that, that it's going to benefit a lot of people of, of varying, you know, experience levels and ability levels. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, I definitely, I feel, I know we've talked about this before, definitely, definitely difficult to write that generalized schedule for everyone when you have no idea who's picking up your book and where they're coming from. Um, right. But I, but I wonder if, if there's anything that you could say maybe that makes the book or maybe your training plan philosophy of the book specific or unique um, that, that's maybe not out there already. Um, would you say there's anything in there that, and, and from what it sounds like, it may be something that's actually focused on the specific aspect, like the specific demands. I haven't seen, read a lot of books that talk too much about, you know, training to the specific demands of a race, minus maybe Brad Hudson's book. But would you say that's kind of what your approach is or, or something else that might be unique? If I had to use a word, it would be fundamentals and really trying to, to again, put into this book um, just a lot of the fundamental principles that I believe all runners can, can benefit from. You know, for example, training for half marathon or marathon is, is yes, there's specificity of training as you get closer to the race and mm-hmm. you really want to hone in on your goal race pace and become really comfortable um, at that speed and learn what it's like to run, say, seven-minute pace on tired legs. Like, that's the specific part of it. But at the same mm-hmm. time, too, it's it's really uh, blending all that together. Like, there's a, you know, there is a purpose in, in a training schedule for a half-marathon marathoner for 5K-type workouts, for mm-hmm. 10K workouts. You know, even for uh, someone who's trained for the half-marathon, you know, there's still marathon-paced runs are, are going to be beneficial to you at some point. So it's like, you know, in the training chapter, I spell out, you know, different types of interval workouts, hill workouts, tempo work, tempo runs, uh, long runs that, you know, just why you would do them uh, in a training, you know, throughout the course of a training cycle and why it's important to blend, you know, blend these things together. And then I look at the schedules more as offering sort of like a framework for people um, to base their, their training off of and be like, okay, well, you know, in the course of a 12-week half marathon cycle, you know, we're looking at these, you know, these first four weeks and, you know, we're doing a blend of five workouts at 5K pace, you know, easy recovery runs, longer intervals, maybe at 10K to half marathon pace, you know, steady runs at marathon speed. And then as we progress through the cycle, you know, maybe doing a little bit less of those 5K, 10K type workouts and increasing the frequency of these, you know, longer intervals at half marathon pace, sustained tempo runs, and, and really just building toward that, you know, that key goal race, which, you know, that's, the reality today is a lot of people, they, they don't look too far down the road. They're looking at the race they're going to do three months from now or the race that they're going to do four to six months from now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what can they do in that time period to help them prepare for it? Oh, that's awesome. And, and it sounds like something that's going to be really interesting is, you know, the fact that you outline kind of the, the purpose or the reason behind a lot of the workouts that you're doing. I, you definitely right. don't see that in a lot of books and, and training plans. They kind of just oh, here's some speed work, and as an athlete, you're following it, you're like, well, I have no idea why I'm doing that. Um, so right. It sounds like that's going to be a really interesting part to read, especially as, as you put the framework together, you're able to understand better, okay, now I understand why this fits here. And, and from a coach perspective, I've always found, and as an athlete, that uh, it's easier to adhere to a schedule when you know why you're doing something. Right, and that's what I tried to do in the book, is like, is really show, show runners, here are all the individual pieces, mm-hmm. um, that are going to go into helping you become a better runner. Mm-hmm. And here's how they're all going to fit together. You know, here's why they're important. Here's why you should do strides two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. Here is here is why you should, you know, focus on on different recovery modalities after a workout, after a week of training, after three weeks of training. Um, you know, really spelling out why you're doing certain things. Like, 
you know, a lot of coaches will say, well, do strides three times a week. Well, why? And it's like, because you want to, you know, you want to reinforce that, you know, you want to, continually be reinforcing turnover and, you know, working on, on your efficiency and, and these small, you know, sorts of things that, you know, they, they, they don't look like much, but mm-hmm. you know, they add up over the course of, you know, 12 or 16 weeks or, you know, however long you're training for something. So, you know, in the book, it was, it was really just trying to identify these, you know, just fundamental, like, pieces uh, that I believe go into, you know, putting together a successful you know, successful training cycle and showing how they all work together and why they're important and, you know, just sort of culminating in that framework of a training plan uh, that's going to, you know, that's going to help, you know, someone who maybe doesn't have a lot of experience or didn't know why they were doing these things, like have them see it, see the bigger picture and be like, ah, I I see how all these different pieces, you know, fit together and how they ended up uh, helping me achieve my goal. Yeah, absolutely. I'm great. That's, That's exciting. I'm going to be excited to read it. Um, so actually, you know, speaking of that, that kind of along the same lines, you know, one of my favorite columns that you write for competitor on a frequent basis is kind of your workout of the week. Um, so in the, in, in, especially in the book that you, in, in the book, what are some of your favorite half marathon and marathon workouts? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, one of my favorite workouts for half marathon marathon is one that you've read about called the Squires long run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is, uh, that is named after Bill Squires, who was, coach of Greater Boston Track Club way back in the day uh, when Bill Rogers and Bob Hodge and Randy Thomas and all those guys were you know, running super fast marathon times. And the basic principle behind it is not just going out and doing a long, slow run or even doing a, like a negative split long run, which are, you know, those both have their time and place within a training program, but is is mixing in, you know, intervals essentially or fart like into a long run and, and surging anywhere from 30 seconds to, you know, 3, 10, 15, however many minutes that you want. Mm-hmm. And really why I like that workout is because it's it's not, I wouldn't say it's the most absolutely specific workout to a half marathon or marathon, but it teaches you, you know, how to run faster on tired legs, um, how to get out of what I would call a rut um, mm-hmm. that a lot of runners get into in a lot of their long runs and which I think translates over to race day. So, you know, really forces you to, to change speeds and challenge yourself and, you know, get a little bit more bang for your buck out of the long run. So that's, I mean, that's one of my favorite for half marathon, marathon training, not just going out every week and doing a 12, 14, 16, 20 miler, you know, time on your feet. And mm-hmm. again, those have, those have their time in place, but, you know, I think something like a Squires long run or, you know, inserting some, some tempo running into a long run uh, for people training for half marathon, marathon who want to run uh, a faster time than they have, before it's like these are the things that you need to do um, to prepare yourself to meet your goals on on race day because you know I think the long run for me uh, in a half marathon marathon training program not that any one workout is more important than any other workout I believe that they all come together um, you know to form a really balanced training plan uh-huh. but throughout the course of the week if you were to prioritize your workouts I would say your long run is your most important day and and for a lot of runners it's going to make up you know twenty to thirty or depending on the program, you know, more percent of your week uh, uh-huh. overall volume. So it's like, you know, you don't want to waste that time. So I think something like a Squires long run or a quality long run, uh, which I include, you know, not every week in the book, because like you can't go out and do that every week <laughs> right. yourself down. Um, but, you know, I think those are some of the most important workouts that you can do for half marathon, marathon training. 
Yeah, no, that was great. And, and I agree with you. That's absolutely my favorite workout too. Um, not only from the physiological side of it, but the psychological aspect of it too. Um, you right. Because you're right. Yeah. So many runners, they get used to just going out there and plodding along and then they get to race day and they're faced with all these challenges that they've never experienced before. And that long run really specifically prepares them for that. Yeah. And you see a lot of, especially in the marathon, uh, you hit, you know, whether it's 18 miles or 20 miles, you're, you're going to hit bad patches and you're mm-hmm. going to hit patches where, you know, your legs just don't want to move. And if you haven't experienced that in, in a workout, in training, um, you know, what it's like to, to change gears and, and kind of keep your turnover going, like you're dead in the water. Um, you know, there's not going to be much you can do at that point. But if you've done a few long runs where, you know, you've forced yourself to run faster when you didn't think that you could, you'll be able to do that on race day. So, yeah, it totally translates. And, you know, you're not hitting, you know, you're familiar with it. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're familiarizing yourself with that feeling and training and that, you know, that is going to give you confidence on race day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so circling back to kind of the issue that we, that you kind of mentioned the first part in terms of patience, um, would you say that's probably the, the, uh, with the athletes that you're working with and the experience that you have coaching, um, is that probably the biggest thing that, or the biggest struggle that most athletes have? Uh, yeah, I would say by and large, most, for most of my age group athletes mm-hmm. is, is patience. Mm-hmm. You know, people, uh, especially when they get out of college and, you know, you hit your mid-20s and 30s and mid-30s and even some master's runners, they almost feel like they're running out of time. Like, as they get older, they're going to get slower. So, you know, they feel this sense of urgency to, you know, I've only got two years, you know, if that, if they even look that far, you mm-hmm. know, to run, you know, a fast marathon. So, you know, people are willing to, to train really, really hard, and they, they think, oh, well, the harder I train... Um, the quicker I'm going to see results, and unfortunately, in distance running, as you know, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Right. <laughs> and um, you know, my my one of my biggest struggles, especially with my my age group, is is getting them to to look, you know, even a year down the road or two years down the road, and be like, okay, doesn't mean you can't run a marathon in 16 weeks, but you know, let's let's look beyond that as you know, maybe where where you'll go for your PR or you know where you'll go try to qualify for Boston. Like, let's let's take a long-term approach and, you know, really, you know, focus on the things that you need to work on. Like if you're, if you're, if you have a lot of trouble with tempo runs or long intervals, like let's, let's get good at those things first. Um, and, you know, there's no telling exactly how quickly you're going to adapt, but, you know, let's kind of do one thing at a time. And if we can, you know, get you better at things that you're not good at, and get you more just racing experience, get your 10K time down, you know, get your 5K time down. That's ultimately going to make you a better marathoner two years down the road. But some people, they just see it, well, no, I have, it's just that marathon. 12 weeks from now, you know, it's Boston or bust. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, too, they, they don't realize, like, you know, it's, once that race is over, all that training isn't lost. Like, it continues to build, you know, upon the previous day, the previous week, the previous block. Mm-hmm. And a lot of runners don't want to, uh, you know, don't, don't see that really. Um, they don't want to look at, they look at it as, well, I have 12 weeks to get in the best shape of my life. It's like, well, if you give yourself 24 weeks, uh, you know, you could get in even better shape. Or if you mm-hmm. give yourself 48, like you're just giving yourself more time uh, to develop your skill set. And, uh, and that takes patience. And, and a lot of runners struggle with that because they, you know, it's the society we live in. People want to be, people want everything now, or they've mm-hmm. wanted it, like I said, I, I joke, like, you know, people want to be fast yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't, you can't rush, you know, you can't rush something. Um, 
like distance running. You just can't. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like probably at least 80% of the people that are listening to this uh, podcast or video are, are probably in that same boat where they either they're, they're doing that now or they've done it in the past where it's just all or nothing. And, and I always try to think like, well, what about the bigger picture? And, um, and you're, you're so right in terms of uh, we, we forget that the training builds on itself, that uh, you know, after you run your race, even after your downtime and you recover, that that's going to build and you're only going to be better. And I tell athletes, the only time that you get worse and you lose it is if you go overboard and you get injured and then you get a stress fraction or out for 12 weeks or whatever. That's yeah. the only time that you don't build off that block because, you know, you're out for so long. If you, if you train intelligently, you definitely can build off it. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you are impatient, you're going to have a tendency to want to run things fat, you know, everything faster than, you know, your coach tells you to. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a, you know, workout of just say 10 by 400 at 90 seconds, you're like, well, if I run 10 by 400 at, you know, 86 seconds, that's a, <laughs> that's a much better workout. I'm going to get fitter faster. And, and it doesn't always work that way. Like right. every workout has a purpose. Um, and that takes, you know, it takes patience and, you know, it really takes patience to, to embrace that and realize like, okay, you know, I've got to, I've got to look at these things like one day at a time and then see how they fit into a bigger, you know, into a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Um, with a lot of age group runners, like half marathon distance is incredibly popular right now. And, mm -hmm. and marathons are even increasing in popularity because they're bucket list items. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think people get into a marathon, half marathon rut where they run two marathons a year or four half marathons a year. And they're always training for a half marathon or a marathon. And when I get an athlete like that, um, you know, I, I want to put on the brakes and be like, okay, well, we're not going to run a half marathon. <laughs> Um, we may not run, we may run one marathon this year. We may not run a marathon this year at all. We're going to train like a 5K, 10K runner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to get them to take this long-term approach. Like, okay, well, let's, let's train like a 5K, 10K athlete. Let's get your PRs at those distances down. If you have PRs at those distances, a lot of people, they look, you know, they look beyond 5K, 10K and it's right to the half. Right. And it's like, well, let's train like a 5K, 10K runner. Get those PRs down. You're going to become more efficient. That's only going to make you a better half marathon marathon runner down the road. Mm -hmm. And I think it's those three words, down the road, that drive a lot of people crazy because they, they're like, well, you know, my road's not very long. So, <laughs> you know, and you got to get people to take that long-term approach and really embrace patience um, and realize that, okay, it's okay if you don't, PR in the half marathon 10 weeks from now, you know, we're looking beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, you know, I try to push that as much as possible. It's like patience is one of the biggest keys to success in distance running, no matter what level you're at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess maybe the follow-up question, I always like to ask this question to my guests is, you know, if you could go back and tell your, your younger self one thing, you know, what would that be? Um, and if, if that's patience, that, that's great. But if there's something else, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> um, don't be a hero. Uh, I, <laughs> I certainly fell into that trap of uh, looking at a, a workout that I would even assign to myself sometimes, which is saying a lot, where if I said, okay, well, I'm going to go run, you know, five-mile tempo at 530 pace, uh, let's, let me see how close I can get to 520 because, again, that means, you know, that must mean I'm, I'm fitter than what I assigned myself, and that's a good thing, right? And it's like, well, not necessarily, you know, because then you're defeating the purpose of the workout. You're mm -hmm. not training the right energy system, and you realize that if you totally botch that piece of the puzzle, ultimately it's going to affect everything else. So, you know, I would tell myself not to be a hero in workouts. Like I, you know, I have that type A personality, um, you know, where I would see 90 miles a week, and I would say, okay, well, I, I should run 100. You know, if I see six-minute pace, I'm going to try to run 540 pace. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, I would always just constantly be trying to better whatever was assigned to me. And, mm -hmm. and I see that now, you know, at the time when I was an athlete, you know, I failed to see why that wasn't such a good thing. And now as a coach, I can look at athletes who are, I see them doing the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tell them like, you know, you don't, you don't have to knock it out of the park every day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's really, you know, all these pieces, you know, need to come together. And it's like, if you end up ruining a bunch of those pieces, you know, along the way, it's not going to come together. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's really, you know, realizing like knock it out of the park on race day, you know, don't worry about, you know, the Tuesday workout. I don't I don't care what you do on Tuesday. like you're gonna you're gonna have more, you know, in some cases you're gonna have more workouts that go, you know, bad than they do wrong. I mean that's the nature of, you know, running, but it's it's really, you know, just trying to trying to be consistent and, you know, just trying to put in, you know, put in the right amount of training and not trying to crush it every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, Mario, I appreciate the time that you've given us. And, and before we before we leave, I want to, again, reiterate, tell people about the book. Um, it, it officially comes out on April 16th, uh, but people can order it through Amazon now. And it might be actually shipping early is, or shipping pretty close to now. Uh, yeah, the official release date is April 16th, uh, day after the Boston Marathon. The book is the official rock and roll guide. Oh, good. We got one. Perfect. <laughs> marathon and half marathon training. I just got my author copies today. Uh, but you can pre-order the book on Amazon.com, and it should be shipping soon. Awesome. And for everybody that's, that's listening to this, um, you know, if, if you've listened to this whole interview, obviously you know Mario knows what he's talking about. Um, I think he's one of the best coaches out there. I'm really excited to read this book. Um, I think you should definitely pick it up. Um, you know, like we talked about, I think there's going to be some unique things in there and, and really uh, helping you solve that training piece puzzle and, and seeing where your workouts fit in, it, in that framework. Um, so, Mario, thank you again so much for, for taking the time out of your day to share with us and, and also to write the book, and I uh, appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. Thanks, Mario.